Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Anatomy and Physiology On The Go podcast, a podcast intended to provide you with brief, important, big picture ideas and concepts in the realm of human anatomy and physiology. I am your host, Gilda Harris, and I am a professor at St. Philip's College in San Antonio, Texas. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you are made aware of all the newest content that I create. Without further ado, let's get on to the next episode. Today's episode of the Anatomy and Physiology On The Go podcast will continue a four-part series on tissues. Please recall that way back in episode one, I discussed that tissues are a collection of cells. Tissues are a collection of similar specialized cells and cell products that perform specific functions. The study of tissue is called histology. The four types of tissues are epithelial, connective, muscle, and nervous tissues. The content of this episode will cover muscle tissue. Muscle tissue is composed of cells that have the special ability to shorten or contract in order to produce movement. For contraction to occur, the muscle cells must rely on the interaction of two types of filaments, which are thin and thick filaments. Thin filaments are two strands of actin coiled around each other, and thick filaments consist of mostly elongated proteins called myosin. The sliding filament theory is the name given to the process of thick myosin filaments and the thin actin filaments sliding across one another to cause the muscle to shorten and produce contraction. This process requires calcium and ATP. We will discuss more about the muscle contraction in future episodes, but I wanted to introduce some of the key terms now. Muscle tissues vary based on function and location in the body. Humans have three distinct types of muscle tissues. These three types are skeletal muscle, cardiac muscle, and smooth muscle. We will spend the remainder of this episode discussing what makes each of these muscle types unique. Skeletal muscle comprises about 35% of the body weight of humans. These muscles function to produce movement, maintain posture, control body temperature, guard entrances and exit of digestive, respiratory and urinary tracts, and stabilize joints. Skeletal muscles are typically attached to the bones of the skeleton by tendons. Examples of skeletal muscles include the biceps and the triceps of your arm, which help you flex and extend your arm at the elbow. The large four-muscle quadriceps of your thigh muscles help to extend your leg at the knee, and the rectus muscles that help your eyes move. The muscle cells or myocytes of skeletal muscles are much longer than the other types of muscle. The muscle tissue of skeletal muscles are striated, which means they have the striped appearance due to the arrangement of their sarcomeres. The sarcomere of a muscle is the smallest functional unit of a muscle. We will discuss sarcomeres in a future episode, but the key to remember here is that skeletal muscles are striated.
skeletal muscles are voluntary muscles under the control of the somatic nervous system. Skeletal muscles are the only voluntary muscles. Neither smooth nor cardiac muscles are voluntary. This means that you can voluntarily move your skeletal muscles by your thoughts. The only skeletal muscle that is normally under involuntary control is your diaphragm, which is a major muscle of respiration. You can voluntarily control the diaphragm by forcing yourself to hyperventilate or holding your breath, but normally it is under involuntary control. It is a good thing that the diaphragm is involuntary, because otherwise you'd have to spend all of your time thinking about making yourself breathe. One final thing about skeletal muscles before we move on. Skeletal muscles do not divide. When they are damaged, the missing cells are replaced by scar tissue. This may be confusing though. Why does exercising make your muscles bigger if the cells can't divide and make more cells? This is because exercising makes your current skeletal muscles bigger in the process called hypertrophy, but does not make more cells. Cardiac muscles, as the name suggests, constitutes the main tissue of the wall of this heart. Cardiac muscle, also known as the myocardium, forms a thick middle layer of the heart's surface and lies between the outer pericardium and the inner endocardium layers. The major function of the cardiac muscle is to contract and relax to cause blood to flow out of and into your heart. This muscle is what makes your heart pump blood. Like skeletal muscle, cardiac muscle is striated, meaning it has the striped appearance because of its sarcomeres. Unlike skeletal muscle, cardiac muscle is involuntary and controlled by the autonomic nervous system. As mentioned previously in regards to the diaphragm, it is a good thing that the cardiac muscles are involuntary. Otherwise, you'd have to purposely flex and relax your heart 60 to 100 times per minute in order to keep yourself alive. Be grateful. It is an automated process so you can think about the other million things you have to do at all times. The heart actually has a pacemaker cells which are there to make sure that the heart is pumping at a regular consistent pace. Any issue with these pacemaker cells can cause your heart to beat irregularly and inappropriately causing a plethora of medical conditions. Some people with hearts that beat too slowly cause bradycardia or hearts that skip a beat or pause causing fainting may need artificial pacemaker surgically placed in their chest to signal the heart to beat regularly. Cardiac cells are short and branched and connect to one another by intercalated discs. These intercalated discs allow the neighboring cardiac cells to communicate with one another to ensure that they are contracting at a coordinated and synchronized pace. Like skeletal cells, mature cardiac cells are unable to divide 
This is a problem because when someone has a heart attack, some of the cardiac muscle cells can die due to a lack of oxygen. They cannot repair themselves and this portion of the heart musculature will scar and be non-functional. At this point, the other surviving muscle cells will have to work harder to overcome the loss. To summarize what we've discussed so far, skeletal muscle tissue is striated and voluntary. Cardiac muscle tissue is striated and involuntary and has intercalated discs. Let's move on to the final tissue of the day, smooth muscle. Smooth muscle is found in the walls of hollow organs except the heart, such as the stomach, intestines, bladder, and uterus. This muscle contracts to squeeze those organs to cause food to move down, urine to exit, or to push a baby out of its mother. Smooth muscle is also found in the wall of blood vessels to squeeze blood forward. Smooth muscle cells are short, spindle-shaped because they have no sarcomere, they are not striated. Smooth muscle cells are involuntary like cardiac muscle cells. This is an advantage because you do not have to actively think about moving your food down your digestive tract after eating. Unlike skeletal and cardiac muscle though, smooth muscle cells are able to divide and regenerate. This is important because if you cut your finger and cause trauma to the smooth muscles of the blood vessel, it can repair itself to retain its function. This helps maintain adequate oxygen delivery throughout your body. In summary, skeletal muscles are voluntary, striated, and cannot divide. Cardiac muscles are involuntary, striated, and have intercalated discs and cannot divide. Smooth muscles are involuntary, not striated, spindle-shaped, and can divide. We will go on in more depth on the muscle physiology in a future episode. In the next episode, we will conclude our discussion on tissues when we discuss the nervous tissue. As always, please like, subscribe, and comment, and share these episodes so that they can be continued to be produced.